We talk about Jesus' name a lot. We pray in his name. There's no name no more holy, no more sweet than the name of Jesus. We've come to this table today to honor him, to remember him. As we do, just close our eyes. Let's lift our hearts in praise for just a moment, thinking about that precious name of Jesus. Jesus, your name is sweet to us. We praise you for who you are. Not just for what you've done for us, Lord, but because you're God. Lord, we lift you up because you loved us.
Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come worship you this morning. We thank you for the many blessings that you give us. And we know that you'll take these offers and use them for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. good to see you here this morning. You saw at the beginning of the worship service uh, a little video about discipleship, and those opportunities will be beginning this week, and there's about a, a dozen of them listed on the back of your worship bulletin this morning. Opportunities on Sunday evenings and Wednesday evenings, because we believe worship's important, we believe Sunday school is important, and we believe discipleship opportunities are important too, to grow in your relationship 
with Christ. As you can see, this is the observance of the Lord's Supper. And in my tour through the Bible, we're in the book of Daniel today. There's some wonderful stories in Daniel, and I've selected the one in chapter 3, verses 16 through 30, and entitled the message, When You're in the Fire. Some of you have been in the fire before, some of you are in the fire right now, and some of you will be in the fire in days to come. And maybe the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will help and encourage you when those days come. Daniel 3, verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king. Because remember, the king set up a golden statue, and it was, uh, in verse 1, it says, its height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. You remember a cubit is the distance between your elbow and your top of your, your finger. So it's about a foot and a half. So if you set up a 60-foot cubit statue, that's about 90 feet. Six, six cubits wide would be about nine feet, so 90 by nine. They refused to bow down and worship that statue, and Nebuchadnezzar goes crazy. Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression of his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he ordered certain mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their mantles, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments. They were cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was strict and the furnace very hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste, and he said to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered the king, True, O king. And he answered, But I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not heard, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come forth and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps and prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not, had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their mantles were not harmed. No sm- smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and set at naught the king's command, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree... Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who was able to deliver in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Shall we pray? God, life is hard. And some days 
is harder than others. Some days it may be at home, some days it may be at work or at school. It might be in business, it might be out of town somewhere. We're going throughout the day and suddenly we're faced with a decision or a crisis and we feel the heat of the flames raging around us. And we want to throw in the towel and give up or give in. But help us remember that even in the heat of flames, you're with us, especially in those times. And your presence and power will be sufficient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, Daniel has some wonderful stories in it, and we don't have time to go through all of them as we're just kind of skipping through each book of the Bible, but Daniel 3 has this story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Chapter 5 has a great story about King Belshazzar literally seeing the handwriting on the wall. If you ever wondered where the phrase, the handwriting on the wall, comes from, read Daniel 5 sometimes. And uh, Daniel comes and interprets a dream or interprets the handwriting on the wall for Belshazzar, and he realizes the end is near. Uh, Chapter 6 of Daniel has Daniel in the lion's den. So there's stories like that all throughout Daniel that that in, that encourage us and increase our faith because we see what Daniel was able to do in times of persecution. I chose this one in Daniel 3 about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because we're observing the Lord's Supper today. And I thought it would be helpful for, for us to remember that God is with us, even in the fire. And this Lord's Supper is a tangible reminder of His presence in our lives Always. I have a real simple chronological outline for you in your worship bulletin this morning. Before the fire, in the fire, and after the fire, basically. Because I see the the transition that takes place in the lives of these three men. What happens to them before the fire, and in the fire, and, and after the fire, the lessons that they learned from it, I think will be helpful for us. Well, in preparation for the fire, you've got to realize that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, although were Jews and worshipped the one true God, had risen to levels of prominence in the world's most powerful nation in that day, Babylon. And if you get right down to it, they did not have to die that day. Nebuchadnezzar commanded that everyone worship, bow down and worship this 90-foot golden image of himself, a statue, And they refused to do so. They refused to say the word that we worship you, King Nebuchadnezzar. They refused to do that. They would not bow down and worship a golden idol because they had been commanded in scriptures by God to worship him and only him. And so they reply to King Nebuchadnezzar in verse 17, which is one of my favorite verses of faith in the entire Bible. If it be so... Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Verse 18, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. 
In other words, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are certain that their God could. They just were not certain that he would. There was no doubt in their minds that God was able, but whether or not he would be willing to was up in the air because they do not control God. They can't command God. They just know that he can deliver them if he chooses to. Well, in the face of their unshakable devotion, it literally says that King Nebuchadnezzar's face turned red. The expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you could almost just see the the fury rising up within him at their unwillingness to to comply to his, his laws and his rules. And so the king goes berserk and he commands that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Now, seven times just means it's it's their way of saying a whole lot. Okay? Instead of 100%, give us 110%. Give us more than the furnace is usual capable of. And and I did a little homework on this and found out the furnace they're talking about is probably like a, a beehive kind of kiln that has a perpendicular shaft going down the middle of it. You feed the fire from the shaft. It has a, a door in the side that you can put things in and take things out. And, I, you know, somehow, maybe they open the door, and that's when Nebuchadnezzar was able to see the fourth person walking around in the fire with them. Well, the, these strong men from Nebuchadnezzar's army throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, and the flames are so hot it consumes the men who threw them into the fire. So there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bound. It says these men bound them. They're in their royal robes because they wanted everybody there to know that day who they were. Uh, they, had, they had risen to positions of prominence and power. They were, they were people of importance and significance. They were bound with cord and they were thrown in. Now I want you to imagine for a moment that you are these men. And you've you've seen these guys, these big guys from Nebuchadnezzar's army throw you in, and what happens to them? They are consumed by the flames. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you you go in, what do you do? And then you open your arms, uh, your eyes, and you look around, you know, I'm okay, are you okay? I'm not burning. I'm not even hot. I don't even smell smoke. What in the world? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They close their eyes. They grit their teeth. Nothing happens. They don't feel a thing. The cords that are binding them are burned off because it says they're up and walking around, but not a hair on their heads is singed. And the best part of all, verse 24 King Nebuchadnezzar, astonished, rises in haste and says to his counselors, Did we not cast in three men bound into the fire? They said, Yeah, that's right. He said, I see four men loose and walking around in the midst of the fire. And they're not hurt. You know, they're not huddled over in a corner somewhere. They're not trying to protect themselves from the flames. They're walking around in the flames. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now, we don't know exactly who this son of the gods is. Is it Jesus? Is it an angel? We don't know. It doesn't matter. 
But I believe if you were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and this fourth being appears, and you aren't burned up in the heat of the flames, I bet they worshiped. I bet they worshiped God. They came to this place that day willing to die, unwilling to worship a foreign God. And I bet they ended up worshiping the one true God. What a change of events. And this story of their faithfulness will be retold for thousands of years from one generation to the next, encouraging people all across the ages who face suffering and persecution and trial and death. I've been getting emails about the pastor in the Middle East who's on trial right now, who will be put to death for his faith, and he refuses to renounce his Christian faith and bow down. And he may well be martyred, and there, there are martyrs like that all over the world today. And I bet this story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is an encouragement to them. Because even though God doesn't rescue them from the fire, he's there with them. Why doesn't he? Why doesn't God just quench the flames and put them out? Why doesn't he open up a trap door and show Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a a route of escape? that they could duck out and be saved. Why doesn't God do that, miraculously rescue them or save them? I thought about that a lot these past few weeks. I've had a week off to think about this. And I think if God had rescued them from the fire, then what? We would expect him to do the same for us. We would expect him to do the same for us. They had hoped to be delivered from the flames, but God chose to deliver them in the flames. You see the difference? God didn't rescue them from the flames, but he delivered them in the flames. Because oftentimes we're in the fire and he doesn't remove the fire and he doesn't remove us. But like the fourth person with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's with us in it. So instead of spending our lives trying to avoid the flames, let's just prepare for them. Let's just prepare for that day when the fire comes. Because it'll come. And we can have the assurance that God will be with us when it does. And an added benefit is that we'll be of encouragement to others like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been to thousands of people down through the centuries. Because how many heroes of our faith had easy lives? How many heroes of the faith had easy lives? Not many. He never promised us lives of ease. But he did promise to be with us. You remember? Lo, I'm with you always, even to the close of the age. He promised to be with us. So today is our day. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had their day. Today is our day. And maybe we'll be in the flames today. Maybe we're there right now. Maybe sometime this week, this month, or this year. But whenever that time comes, 
we can have the assurance from passages like this in the Bible, from experiences like heroes of the faith, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that even though God doesn't rescue us from the flames, he doesn't quench the flames, he doesn't douse them with water, he doesn't rescue us from them, but he promises to be with us in them. And somehow, that'll be enough. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the testimony of these trays prepared before you this morning. We observe the Lord's Supper because they have become tangible reminders. And this is what Jesus intended. Tangible reminders of his presence with us always, even to the end of the age. The bread broken for you, the cup, his blood poured out, all for love, because he saved us from our sins. What we have to do is admit our need and believe and receive it and say, yes, Lord, I am a sinner saved by your amazing grace. Forgive me and cleanse me and make me new and I'll be yours this year and always. Shall we pray? Father, as we come to receive this Lord's Supper, this tangible reminder of your presence here with us now in our lives, in our hearts. It doesn't happen automatically, but but we have to acknowledge our need. We have to confess our sins and receive you into our lives. And when we do, you promise you're knocking at the door, just waiting for the invitation, and you promise to come in. And when you come in, you come in to stay, and you don't leave. And sometimes we shove you over into a corner and ignore you and turn our back on you. But that doesn't mean you've gone anywhere. It just means that we have left you, put you aside. So, Father, this day we confess to you our sin and we find forgiveness and grace in the observance of this bread and this cup. And we admit our need and we welcome you fully into the center of our hearts on the throne in control guiding and sustaining everything that we say and do and Father when we're in the flames help us remember that you're there with us and your presence will always be enough in Jesus name we pray Amen We're going to observe the Lord's Supper a little differently here this morning. We have three tables set up in front of you. There'll be deacons behind them to serve you. But when you feel ready, you know, when you're sitting in a pew and the tray is being passed, you receive it if you're ready or not. But with these tables up front, you have a chance to sit there and pray and prepare yourself. And when you're ready, I would suggest that 
the middle section used this table and the side sections used the table in front of them coming down the center aisles and then returning to your seat on the outside aisles. When that time is right, after you've prayed, after you've prepared yourself to receive this expression of God's love and the reminder of his presence with you, you come and receive the cup and the bread and let it be for you, his presence with you always, even to the end of the age.